What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. All right, good morning. Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, the podcast where we talk about the struggles of everyday filmmakers, everyday independent filmmakers. I'm Ulrich Brassell, and with me is Timothy Plain. Hello, everyone. Um, here we are again. Here we are again. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um, God, I'm I, proud of you that you made it on time. I well, you plunged your coffee. Practically. Early. You learned from our feedback episode last week. I think it was like one minute late, maybe. You know, it's okay. <laughs> These early morning things, like the, it's good just to get it out of the way, but it is hard because my brain is so foggy. Oh, yeah. It, uh, it takes like 20 minutes before like I kind of get warmed up. Yeah. Well, um, Timothy, I think what is on everyone's minds is uh, how did the commercial go, man? How did, <laughs> how did it all shake down, dude? It went well. Because last week when we talked and you asked me about it, I wasn't ready to say anything because I was so in t- deep into it. I wasn't even sure that I liked doing it at that point. Mm. So just to kind of take a step back and talk about like what, we were shooting. I can't say too much right now until it's out and I'll send the link out when it is. The premise of it was just one continuous shot for 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. it was really just a, a static camera. And so most of our day was just setting that shot up. And I got, I think, one hour, around one hour with the actors. So it took you guys from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. just to set up the one shot? Yeah. But it was like, it was on a sound stage. And um, we had to build a wall and we had to put a bunch of set dressing in place. And then, um, yes, set up all of our lights. Probably if we would have done it right, it would have been some, uh, we would have probably had a day before to do like a pre-light and set everything up. But since it was only one shot, we just figured we would just do it all in one day. Right. So there's a lot of waiting around, um, you know, and doing tests because there's a visual effects component to it. So after we got everything set up, we would pull a still into the my computer and then I would edit a test to make sure that everything lined up the way it should. Mm. So there's a little nice. bit of that going on. So my goal, and I told the actors this too, is like, I want to do 50 takes because mm. we, I've, you never have the luxury to do a bunch of takes. You always have to do like, you know, 10 and then you're you're done but i was like dude this is all we only have one shot so let's just get 50 takes and see what happens i have no idea what to expect i've never gotten that many but i hear that david fincher does like 50 or 60 takes on everything i wanted to know not on every single shot but his average i think for um for gone girl was 60 wow that's insane so i want kind of wanted to just like play around with it and see like what happens if you do 50 takes with an actor. I think I needed more time cause I only got to 29 and then I had to, to wrap 
because we had to shoot plates. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy, what what happens when you do 29 takes with an actor? But if you do 29, yeah. and it's interesting because the, the take that we ended up using in the edit, that my two favorite ones were 22 and 29. So the performance got better. Mm. And I what I expected going into it was that the actors would get kind of tired and they would get so used to the lines that what David Fincher calls is like you bleed out the, you know, when you first like start acting, you're like trying to infuse every word with like emotion and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the more and more they do it, I expected them just to kind of like ease into it and become almost like monotone robotic because they just got tired, Mm. which is not what happened. They actually just got better at it because the words came more naturally to them. Wow. I mean, I think that wouldn't always happen. I, I, I mean, I guess it depends on the situation and the actors and how you're talking to them. But yeah, I mean, cause I've, I've had people, I think that seems to be like a, an argument for doing a lot of takes is that after a while it just turns into sludge and you're not going to get a good performance anymore. You know, that's what I also was one of, that's what I've always kind of thought. I always thought that the first few takes were the best takes. And then it just gets worse from there because the first takes are like the fresh ones. And it probably does really depend on what you're doing, but in this case, it was like it was a commercial. We needed a very specific performance. We needed it to fit into 15 seconds. So it was all about rhythm and getting the actors into the rhythm and then adjusting their performance just a tiny bit each time. Mm. So I could like dial them in or take over, take over, take over, take until we got to that perfect point. So rather than giving them like a bunch of direction, I would just like say on this one, just like do this one little thing different. And so then they could do the exact same performance, but then they just changed that one thing. And we did that take over, take over, take, and then it got better. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never done, I think the most amount of takes I've ever done is probably somewhere around, oh, I don't know, in the 15 to 20 range at the very, very most. Um, but, but yeah, and I think I was probably embarrassed that many but but uh i know i didn't really know about the david fincher thing and i think it's like you know it's like you got to get it right but whenever i'm on a set and 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 we're at take 22 or take 28 i always feel like you know you're being an asshole well i i don't think i i mean i I always was witnessing it with another director but i always feel like come on let's move on like you have to have had it by now but um (laughs) right but you know, <laughs> hey man, I got I'm not I'm not director I wasn't the director, so you know, who am I to right. say? Being making sure that you're happy is the most important thing, but in my world and I'm sure your world too, especially when you're doing a narrative thing, it's like you don't have the luxury of doing that many takes ever, <laughs> right. you know? No, not when you're trying to shoot like five or six pages in a day. No, it's impossible. There's no way you could do that. Yeah. Um it goes like I'm sure like so the, one of the famous examples for Fincher is like social network that opening shot yeah where it's just like you know them side by side mm-hmm. just hammering off dialogue I think that one is like yeah like a 50 taker mm. but I'm sure he had all day to shoot that because how many pages is that dialogue it might be like two pages so yeah. I'm sure like on, on a feature film of that size he's only shooting like a page and a half a day yeah so he has the luxury of just setting that shot up and just doing it over and over and over and over again my next question was gonna be okay now having done this I know it's not finished yet but like 
Yeah. Do you want to do more of these kind of uh, commercial corporate video type things? Like, is this what you're now? Are you excited to do more after doing one? Yeah, I think so. It's at the position I'm at right now. It's so much work, which sucks. Like I don't like I got sick after the shoot because I had worked so hard to put it together. <laughs> yeah, I can only I can imagine, man. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like it was kind of my first time putting together a production like this, like so quickly. Usually I'll be paired up with somebody to kind of put it together. But it was like on me to go find a producer and like put the production together. So um, that made that gave me extra stress because. I had to go through like three producers before I ended up where I was and like put the production together a few times and have it fall apart. I think the client's really happy with it. I'm not sure how my agency feels about it. Oh, really? I have a feeling. Yeah. I have a feeling like agency wise, probably they're not like super happy with it because of the limitations of the budget, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily fair to judge on the rough because I mean, especially a concept like that, you know, it's, it's all going to come together in the VFX, um, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know how your boss is, but some people without that kind of the little bit of <laughs> imagination to like visualize how it's all going to come together. Like you could, you could really just, they could just be looking at it and be like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't, this is not, this isn't what we talked about. I mean, not that he doesn't understand there is going to be changes, but like, you just can't imagine how it's all going to come together, you know? It could be. It's like submitting your uh, rough cut to a film festival. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm dealing with that right now. Oh, boy. Uh, you want to talk about that at all or talk about something else? No, I'll talk about that, I guess. I mean, yeah, so I've been submitting Brother to film festivals pretty much since like... Uh, Christ, uh, July, maybe. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> back when the Austin Film Festival due date was upon us. And uh, yeah, I just start, I'm starting to hear back. So I got my first uh, two or three rejections in the last couple weeks, which is uh, to be expected. But um, how did it feel? Um, you know, it, I mean, I, you know, I, I've been rejected like, you know, 50 times from other film festivals for strange things. So. You know, my, my tolerance is built up quite a bit. I mean, it still stings a little bit. Um, but well, I, I know when I see those emails in my inbox and I just we got one for over my dead body, which I think I forwarded on to you for Screen Fest, right? <laughs> right. And I and I sent yeah. one back and you, to you. You look at it. Yeah. You sent <laughs> yours back to me and you look at it and you're like, oh, cool. I heard from Screen Fest. Let's check it out. And then you open it and you read like slowly. It's kind of like a super lot of scratch off. You're like just scratching a little bit to see if you won. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you see, you see that word, unfortunately. And you're like, oh, damn it. Yeah. But for that little bit of moment, like when you first get that email, there's a glimmer of hope. Like, oh, maybe I made it in. Yeah, you're, it's pretty clear right away. Like from the first two sentences, like <laughs> having usually yeah, we get, we get so many films every year. Having having gotten in before, like <laughs> you can tell, you can usually tell pretty quickly. Some of these bastards, though, oh my god, they like they hide it in the third or fourth paragraph. <laughs> like they go on and on, and then it's like, oh, and really that we're un unfortunately, and then it's like, yeah, it's not till the very bottom. I just wish that it was like most of them where it's just at the very top. It's like, unfortunately, we couldn't, you know, 
Thank yeah, you so much. Usually, where it is. usually, thank you so much for submitting. We get so many movies every year. We can't program them all. You're, you're out. Unfortunately, <laughs> your movie brother did not make it into this year's festivals. But we hope that you come and visit us or <laughs> yeah. whatever it is. And when you get in, it's usually like we would like to congratulate you is like the first sentence, and you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. it. Amazing. Um, though, but the thing about getting rejections for brother, it's like. Um, since it's not finished, I can always hide behind that. So it's like yeah. I can always be like, well, it's not actually the quality of the film. It's not actually the story. It's just because it, <laughs> it wasn't finished yet. So that's why I didn't get in. It's not because it's not good enough. It's just because it's not ready yet. Oh, okay. So that's, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I can, fine. I, I can yeah. have that dialogue with myself and, uh, you know, just uh, it feels a little bit better. But then, yeah, there's the deep part deep down where you're like, wow. Maybe this movie isn't as good as I think it is, or maybe people aren't going to relate to it, you know. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. But I'm I'm working on the finishing parts right now, like color is happening right now and sound design's happening right now. Uh, so probably the time by the time this airs, um, we should probably just be waiting on finishing like the final stages of color and then uh, just finishing music. But uh, everything else should be done by this time, by the time that we that's awesome. people are listening that's to this. Great. Yeah, so that's exciting. It's really exciting. And there's a couple film festivals coming up that I'm sort of excited to submit to. Um, and then I want to start like my, um, you know, my marketing plan. Like really, I have a trailer that I want to release in, very soon. And then, uh, you know, depending if I get into a film festival this year, which, you know, I probably, I still have like, Ah, what six six more to hear from or something like that or five more so there's you know there's a, a half decent chance that i'll get into one this year but if not then you know it'll be uh we'll just find out about next year who knows so well, yeah i was surprised to hear you're even entering as many as you were because i thought after our discussion about film festivals it was kind of like yeah they're you know they're great especially when you're first just starting out but you know you can get so much from just releasing the movie online and I feel like you've been kind of pushing us to release Over My Dead Body online and not do the film festivals. So I just kind of figured you're doing the same thing with Brother. Yeah, well, it's because, um, you know, like Strange Thing did well online partly because of, I think, because of the 20 film festivals it played before I released it online. So I kind of just early on, I got this idea in my head that like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to submit to a ton of film festivals, but I just want to premiere at one and then on the day it shows at the film festival, release it online. Like that's just sort of this thing that I got in my head. And that's, I think the, the probably the longest I'll wait to see if I got into a film festival is probably at the very latest April, um, which is still a long time and probably longer than, long I, time. than I'd like. Especially since this whole project was born out of the idea that you could shoot a movie every month for a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's funny well that's just not the way that i i like to work apparently you know apparently i like to you right. know get a big crew earlier together. this year you were like so gung-ho to shoot a, it seemed like you wanted to do at least another project this year right yeah well am i wrong did you want it you wanted to do brother and do anything else or well i think at the time of, of brother i was like yeah like i should just make a movie in march and just get it out there and have it in film festivals by July and be done with it and then move on to whatever's next. But then obviously that didn't happen because I'm still working on it. Uh, This week we're going to talk about producers and what they do. Who are they? What they do. I have one question though from a listener 
that hopefully we can figure out a way to lead into that topic. Sure. It's a li- little bit different, but I think it's a, it's a good one because I've been thinking about this and I think I've even talked to some people about why we use the word filmmaker as opposed to writer, director, or producer. So this is an email from Will Springhorn Jr. And he says, like, can you address why you guys constantly use the word filmmaker as opposed to writer, director, or producer? It seems like both of you actually want to be directors and everything else is a necessary evil. Or is that too simple? Oh, man. Am I, do I have to answer this question first? <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, my take on it is like, why do we say filmmaker as opposed to like any any other like specific title? I feel like especially when you're in on the independent level, you're kind of expected to be able to do everything. So for me, a filmmaker is somebody who can wear like multiple hats and make things happen from the ground up. Whereas like a director is just a director, like they'll come in and they'll direct a project, but I wouldn't expect most directors to be able to take a script, go find a producer, get a crew hired, put together a casting session. You know, it's like, they're not filmmakers, they're just directors. So a filmmaker huh. to me is somebody who can like put a film together. That's so funny. Cause, uh, <laughs> I think of it in a different way. I kind of feel oh, really? like we're all filmmakers. Like we're all everyone on a set, <laughs> you know, Yeah. like from the, you know, production designer to the sound designer, to the sound recordist, to the, uh, even the PA or the craft services person. Like I, I look at us as all filmmakers. Like that's what we're here for. We might not be doing, you know, like, all the positions and we might not be having the big vision in our head, but like if we're on a set, we're working towards <laughs> yeah. the making of the film. So we're filmmakers. Like if you're, you're working in the industry and uh, you're making narrative movies, I kind of feel like you're a filmmaker, you know? So that's kind of my so even way. In your at. opinion, then like even in Hollywood, those people are filmmakers. So yeah. Nothing to do with independent film. They might not be good filmmakers, but they're filmmakers. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Whoa, watch I mean, out. I know I shouldn't say that. I was just kidding. Take I take that back. <laughs> uh no, I mean no, I'm I'm serious like I, I just kind of feel like I and I I know lots of friends of mine would really just disagree with this like, you know, cuz one of the things that me and a filmmaker friend of mine, haha, uh, that we argue <laughs> about constantly is uh the credits and we don't argue about it constantly, but he, he gets so upset to watch like the two or three minutes of, of credits or whatever. Cause like back in the old days in the fifties, uh, only department heads got credit and like there would be, mm. all, well, maybe not that many, but like there'd be like, a, you know, still hundreds of people who worked on the movie, but then only a handful would get credited. And he kind of feels like that way that like only, the the department heads should get credit and like they're the true filmmakers and then like you know the PAs and the assistants and all those other people in the and the network or the studio they don't matter they shouldn't get credit because they're not actually making the movie you know interesting um, so I yeah. think if I say I like oh well everybody on a set's a filmmaker I think he would probably be upset to hear that um, yeah but uh, but I don't know I just that's kind of how I feel like I feel like if you're there. And like you're trying your hardest at your job and like, you know, you're a very small component of the film, but you're still a filmmaker regardless of that fact, I, I think, 
you know. Okay. But, so you're thinking a filmmaker as an umbrella that encompasses anyone who makes a film or makes movies, yeah. And who is and an, makes movies? And I mean, and I guess I'd like to think that everybody's an artist at heart. So I think that if you know, if you're an artist at heart and you have like some sort of artistic integrity, I think that like that that to me that goes without saying when when you use the term filmmaker, you know. And I just assume that everybody who works in movies has a version of that in them, you know, or why would they be there? Right. But I mean, that's yeah. probably but just it's, my own. It's interesting view. though, that you, it's that you kind of just lump everyone in as a filmmaker, because if you just called your friend, a filmmaker friend, but if I was talking about like Debbie Brubaker, I wouldn't call her a filmmaker. I wouldn't say, Oh, oh really? Debbie, you know, filmmaker, Debbie Brubaker. I would be like, Oh, uh, producer Debbie Brubaker. Well, I would call her a producer. Who, who's more of a would, filmmaker than her? She's actually made like many, many no, I movies know. happen. I'm not trying. Know? I'm not trying to take away like the filmmaking title from anyone. I'm just trying to say like when I refer to filmmakers, I'm usually talking about a uh, director mm. or like writer director or mm. like producer writer director. It's like usually in my head, it's an independent filmmaker. It's an independent person who's usually at the helm of like a project, somebody who's like creating a project from the- Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At US Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Ground up. That's how I, I, I've typically seen it. And mm-hmm. it's like in my job, sometimes I'll like jump in and I'll start editing stuff or I'll like I'll do a little sound design or, um, you know, I always like wear different hats and people are like, oh, it's because he's a filmmaker that he can do that. So I think I've built this word in my head as like somebody who can do much more than just that one job like somebody that can make films for by themselves yeah i guess i i mean i kind of feel like there's uh you know a lot of people are like that like almost everyone that you'll meet i think like has their own project that they're doing or their own thing not not always you know but i just kind of assume that most people do or like at least i ask that question when i meet a lot of people um but yeah, that's interesting to think of it, think of it that way. But like, <laughs> it's funny. I had no idea that we were gonna be, we weren't gonna agree on what this was. Right. I, I thought we were totally just to be like, oh yeah, this is why we say it and move on. I didn't think it was gonna be a discussion. No, because like, I mean, using Debbie Brubaker as a, an example, and apologize to Debbie if she doesn't like this, but uh, I just kind of feel like, you know, like. She's a great example of someone who I think like isn't necessarily a creative filmmaker always. And I, I think she does do her own creative things as well. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she she basically could make or break a film. Right. Like mm-hmm. she can, right. you know, like someone will bring a project to her and, you know, maybe some other producer or UPM or whatever would get it done. But like, you know, in a lot of ways, like she, you know, is probably the deciding factor in whether some projects ever get made or not. And so to think of her as not a filmmaker to me seems a little odd because like, she's like one of the major, if not 
the most major component in getting a movie made, you know, like, so I would definitely consider producers, filmmakers, you know, because yeah, without them, like, you know, the movie would probably never get made. And then if it did get made, it wouldn't get um, seen by anybody because they're the ones who are making sure that it's getting out there and getting into the right, you know, markets, the right film festivals, that it's getting the right distribution, that, you know, it's getting the right uh, marketing campaign, that social media is happening. So like with good producers, it's it's not the same role as a director. Like it's not the same type of filmmaker, but they're filmmakers yeah. in their own right, you know, to me. I love it. Yeah. Well, and that's a great transition. Oh my gosh. I couldn't have even wrote that down. <laughs> so producers, I mean, that's what we're here to talk about today is like, there are so many kinds of producers. So I think we need to kind of go through and break it down. Debbie is a local producer. She also does UPM as a unit production management. And she's also sometimes does, is it production coordinating? Yeah. What, what it's called? And I think she's also like a line producer too at times. Yeah. You know, line producer. Like, like she wears many hats yeah. in, in the pr- production realm. Um, so Mark Madrigal wrote us over Twitter and said, can you address what a producer does? Pay the bills, oversee production, find the talent, dream up the movie. So this is going to be, I think, kind of a, an in-depth conversation because the truth is that there's many kinds of producers. Yeah. And I, in my mind, it could be one or all, or even none of those things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's, what's going to be kind of hard to talk, but let's just kind of like overview wise. What, who is a, what is a producer? Just like irregardless of wh- how they actually affect the movie. How do you define a producer? How do I define a producer? I mean, as a person who is um, ensuring that the production happens and runs smooth and runs smoothly and that, um, you know, the director and the rest of the team has everything they need in order to to get the movie made. I mean, I think that's sort of my idea. That's pretty good. Like this is so I'm a producer on the agency side of things for commercials I'll talk it for talk about it from my point of view, so that way I think that'll kind of help set the groundwork for how it works in the films too, because I think there's some similarities. So yeah, definitely, especially on the studio side, I think. Yeah, on the studio side, probably the most apt um, connection. So inside the agency, a lot of work happens to get a script written and approved, and then once it's approved and the client's given us a budget then it comes to my desk. So I usually have a script in front of me and they tell me how much they want to spend. So let's say we have a package of three scripts and we want to spend $1 million. So then it's up to me to figure out how to spend that million dollars, like how much of it goes to towards shooting it, how much goes towards the editorial. Are there any visual effects? If so, then how much do I spend on visual effects? And I kind of break that number out into different categories and then help find people to fulfill each portion of that job. So on an agency estimate, there's lines for each one of those. There's a line for production. There's a line for editorial. There's a line for music. There's a line for sound design and on and on and on. I think my estimate has something like 30 lines, but then each one of those lines has its own bid that's attached to it. 
So the production bid would then have a bunch of lines on it and the producer on their end would then manage that production and they might have like two or 300 lines on theirs with each crew member, the crew member's time for the prep of the job, the crew member's time for the shoot of the job, the cost of renting equipment, the cost of food, the, you know, down the line, all those things. And then there's a, there's a producer for the visual effects. There's a producer for editorial. There's a usually a producer for music and sound design. Do you manage all those producers as as the overseeing producer, or are you like kind of hands yeah. off once you once you bring them on board? No, no, no. Then I work very closely with them. Okay. They handle their side of things. Yeah, their in department. A very hands off way. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. But then I'm communicating information between the agency and the client and then that producer. Yeah. And then also helping them manage the budget. If they're like, hey, well, what you're asking me for is not in the budget. Then I say, well, how much more is it going to cost and how much longer is it going to take? And then they give me that information. And then I go back to the client or the agency and say, hey, what you guys are asking for is outside the scope. This is how much more it's going to cost. Do you guys want to spend it? You know, so I manage the overall production and then I work day to day with the other producers to, you know, keep things running smoothly. So that's really interesting. I mean, that's just like way, way more people and, and way more management and producing than what I'm used to, you know, um, because <laughs> yeah. like in my world, it's more like the one producer will manage all those people. You know, the one or two right. people, mm -hmm. you know, they'll manage everybody else, not not producers who manage everyone else, you know? Right. On a really small project, you might only have like one producer who's managing everything. Right. So the, the one producer who's hiring all the crew and man, managing the production budget and then also hiring an editor directly and hiring a visual effects team directly. And and they're they're playing the part of every single producer that would be on my my side of things. Right. Yeah, uh, which is like exactly what I did on Strange Thing is like I directed it and then I was the only producer on it as well. And so I hired everybody and managed everybody and it was very challenging. Um, yeah. So on the production side of things, once once you've awarded the production number to that, the pr producer on the uh, usually that person's called the line producer right. on the production side. And the line producer then goes and hires the crew members. Right. So they budgeted a certain rate for those people. Mm -hmm. Let's say it's like $1,500 a day for a DP. They have to go find a DP that's willing to work for $1,500 a day. Not right. every DP will. You know, some DPs want $4,000 a day. So yeah. it's then up to them to manage that budget and hire the people to make it happen. And they're doing the same thing that I'm doing is they're creatively coming at it and trying to make it the best it can be. So they're choosing the production designer that's going to make the most impact, that has the most experience in this kind of field of uh, production or a DP that style is going to fit with what the director is trying to achieve. Right. And that's so nice because basically the director doesn't have to worry about any of that. The director basically just talks to you or maybe some of the other producers. And, uh, and then if they have pe people have questions, you know, it's not like everyone's coming to the director asking their questions. It's like it goes up through a chain of, chain of command and gets filtered through to the director or something. Yeah. If uh -huh. they even have to ask him questions or her questions. I guess we can go into 
depth too on the shooting side of things there's other producers on there there's upms and production coordinators and production managers and there's executive producers and producers to me, well, I mean, in your world, what what do executive producers do in in uh... in my in the advertising world? An executive producer is like is running the company, is running the production company, mm. or running the post company, like who, whatever company we're working with. It's usually the first point of contact I have when I call that company mm. and they say, "This is the project I have. This is what I'm doing." And then once the job is awarded, the executive producer is kind of out of the picture. But if a big problem comes up, then I call them. Yeah. In, in my mind, the executive producer is like the money person. You know, it's like the person who believes in this project happening and wants to make it happen. And is either funding it or, you know, somehow providing the funds to fund it. Yeah, that's usually how it works in the feature film world is executive producers provide money or they're kind of like the the person like you said that makes it come together so like steven spielberg a lot of times is credited as executive producer mm. he's like chosen some of the people to make a project happen so like somebody came to him with a script and he's like oh the script is great like i'm gonna put this script with this director and this producer and they're gonna go make it yeah i i haven't really dealt with executives too much I, i'm actually dealing with my first i mean i don't even know if he wants to be called an executive, but it's like, that's kind of how I, I see the relationship, you know, and it's mm-hmm. going really well. And I'm like, Hey man, if it always goes this well, I won't have any problems ever, but uh, <laughs> we'll see if that how it ends up going uh, further down the line. Do you want me to talk about like my interaction with producers and how I see producers, that kind of thing? Or yeah, you, do you feel like we've defined them well enough at this point? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, oh, in, in a there's way, there's one other thing I think we should say. Sure, because there is like on the back end of the project, producers are doing a lot of the paperwork. You know, oh yeah, like submitting timesheets to payroll companies. And yeah, paying the bills. Right. Kind of like in general, I would just say producers are like the the managers of the entire project from like the budget and the schedule to like final payment and wrapping it, wrapping it all up. Yeah. And then another thing we didn't talk about uh, really that much is like, you know, in a, in a movie at least or something uh, that you need to sell and like get out into the world. They're also responsible for making sure that they get distribution and that. Uh, you know, the movie gets seen by people and is advertised and marketed correctly and all that stuff. So they're really the person or people who are in charge of making sure that the movie actually makes money and brings money in as well, you know, because that's not really the director's uh, job anymore, which is like something that I, I see I see so much value in, you know, because like if you have a producer who does a great job of managing the production and making sure the movie gets made and even making sure that post goes well, but then they just drop off the project after that, I mean, you're freaking screwed because then you might have a great movie, but then who's going to make sure it gets seen? It's like then it falls to the director or whoever is the next person in line after the producer leaves and then they're basically becoming then a producer on it to make sure that it gets out into the world. So the producers that I've seen, especially lately that I really am impressed with are the ones who really take control of the whole production in, in like a really um, holistic way. I should yeah. say. I think the simplest way to kind of like say that is that a producer's in charge of the business 
aspect of a film and not just like the creative aspects that kind of take on all the business stuff. So that way the creative people just have to worry about being creative. I wouldn't want to take creativity away from the producer too much because I think that producers do have a say. The best producers are. Yeah, they're creative. And I think it's not to say that the producer is like a, a huge creative force behind the project in a like a, you know, overpowering way. But I think like they should be on board with the vision, you know, it's just as well as the director is. So they're making sure that the director is meeting the vision and not getting lost, you know, and that they're staying focused. And, you know, I think it's like a really important relationship to have like a really good producer or producers who have a really strong idea of the story that you're trying to tell and just making sure that you're, you're doing everything that you can to tell that story in the best way possible. But talk about some of the producers that you've worked with and what that experience has been like. Yeah. Well, so my last short film brother, I had a producer on board, which was amazing. And, he did a, a fantastic job and like I was still producing too because, you know, we're, we're all doing it for free and we all have full-time jobs. So it wasn't like he could do every single thing, but yeah, I mean, he basically just worked with me all the way through and just made sure that like I wasn't alone in things. And then, yeah, he would just get things done, you know, which was great. But uh, speaking on a, on a, on a bigger sense of projects where I wasn't the director, I think the best producers that I've seen are just are do exactly what we described. Like they, and everything they do is for the benefit of the project and not for their own benefit or to make their lives easier. Like they're just trying to think of the bigger picture and making sure that everything happens the way it needs to happen to get the movie made and to give the director and the creative team everything they need to, to get it done right. And then make sure that, they're thinking about advertising like before they even make the movie that they're already like getting their social media campaign together. They're already thinking about poster and they're already thinking about, you know, getting the right pieces in place so that they can be the best off um, in selling the movie later on, you know, so like hiring Mm -hmm. the right actors and, you know, making sure that the message is right and the tone is right and, identifying their demographic like way before the movie's made like all those things and i think it's like really impressive when you see people doing it right well talk about what it's like to work with the producer like how what does that look like talk about like the first time you pull a producer in and you talk to them about the project and then like kind of like the day-to-day dealings with the producer like what is it like what do they do i mean they'll often hire the crew all to you know like i mean i'll have my suggestions of who i want to bring on but they're they pretty much bring the crew together, like working with Jeff. Like I, once he got on board and he liked the script, he basically, like I said, Oh, I want to work with this person as the DP and this person is the gaffer and anything else I'm good with. And then he would just send me emails like every, every day, or every other day, just with like new introductions to new crew members that he wanted to bring on and people that are available and interested in the project. And then we just sort of built, built our team like that. He didn't really help me with locations, although I think a producer normally would do that. They they would like, you know, find the locations with you or, or work with a locations manager. So they pretty much just do, I mean, all the logistical things, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that that was a pretty good explanation. It's like you, once you have a producer on board, you're getting updates from them about how the production's coming together. And as a director, you're looking at things and you're evaluating them and approving them. The best producers are the ones that I feel like have good taste 
I trust their sensibilities and they will usually have some idea about how the whole thing should come together and like how it should work. Like, let's say if there's some visual effects component, like they would tell you, well, I know you're thinking CG in your head, but I think it would be stronger if we used a mixture of like puppets and then enhance it with CG. And I've already talked to a puppeteer. Here's his, here's what he could do. And then we would hire the CG company to augment it in this way. So they might come to you with like a different solution than you had, you had initially thought of because they think it's going to be stronger. And then you guys talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those, those kind of producers that come at it and are just pushing to make the project to the best it can be and not just like doing exactly what you tell them to do. I think are is a really important part of the process. It's like sometimes you just need somebody to come in and tell you like the best way to achieve something. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're also they're like the the problem solvers, right? So if you come into right. along yeah. to an issue, they're they're usually the ones to take care of it and 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 come up with solutions for the problem. You know, well we can't we can't shoot at this original location that we wanted to. Uh, what what can we do? And then they'll come up with some other backup solution, like backup places, backup locations you yeah. know um you know whatever whatever it is like replacing crew members uh finding different equipment um yeah i think they're they're like the best problem solvers you know and and i feel like they're so embedded in the production that they're just aware of everything that's happening and they have all the they're like juggling all the balls in the air and like if something falls they're the ones to catch it you know um yep yeah which is like extremely valuable when you're just trying to focus on story it's like it's it's so hard to catch all those balls um if you're doing it by yourself or even if you're like co-producing with somebody else it's like it can be really challenging as the director to like make sure that there's nothing that's falling through the cracks you know yeah you want to have somebody you can trust and what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Just going back to what I said before about like, a good producer has you I trust their sensibilities like creative sensibilities is when I'm on set and shooting or even in like the rough cut stage or the visual effects stage I want to have somebody next to me that I can turn to and say hey what do you think and their opinion matters if I don't trust the producer sensibilities it's going to be a tough road because I need that person next to me that I can trust that has my back I think a bad producer would be somebody who just doesn't get it that doesn't understand like what's good and what's bad, at least in, in the sense that I do. Yeah. Just to tell a little bit of a story from a shoot I was on recently, like I was um, the script supervisor. So I was just observing and, you know, doing my job and taking notes or whatever. But then these two producers, I would get to watch them work and they watch everything. And then if something didn't seem to be tied in with the story and with the, the script originally, they would be constantly like ask questions and dialoguing with each other. They would like really minutely fine tune everything to make sure that it was fitting with the character they discussed and with the story that they they're trying to tell, you know? And I thought that was super valuable because they wouldn't necessarily 
always go to the director and and talk to him about those those things but they were constantly making sure that everything that was happening was for the betterment of the story and moving everything forward right contributing to the whole that's what i would say like if i had to like put something on to like what does a producer do they take a script which is just words on paper and they make sure it turns into something real at the end and they're they're constantly thinking about the picture as a whole like how does it all come together yeah and like not every producer's in that position some producers are more in kind of like the the minutia of like just one aspect of the shoot but like a producer like where i'm at like as an agency producer i'm like constantly thinking about how all of it's going to come together i'm seeing how the how the shoot is going to line up with the editorial part with the music and sound design and color and visual effects and how all of that's going to come together to create something it's very important to have like kind of that the yeah, somebody's looking at it holistically exactly they're the guardians of the the finished film yeah exactly because because they're the ones that are going to have to sell it in the end anyways so if they don't <laughs> get the right thing then they can't do their job correctly at any at all so yeah I have so much respect for producers and over the, the past few weeks and putting this commercial project together and having talked to a few and, and worked really closely with a few of them, it's just like kind of mind blowing, like what they can pull off and like how calm and collected they are. And like the problem solving is just every time I talk to like a really good producer and they like just come up with a solution to a problem so quickly, you're just always like, damn, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, like it just makes me feel so stupid because it just comes so easily. Like, I had a, an instance where um, a client was asking us to shoot outside of LA, and I was like, "Well, it's November and it might be raining outside in another a state." And the producer's like, "Well, we can just move that inside instead of it being a birthday party outside. We can do like a birthday party inside at like a Chuck E. Cheese or you know, kind of like a trampoline palace or something." It was like, "Oh yeah." I don't know why I was like so locked into this idea that it has to be outside. It could totally be inside. And it was just a small little adjustment that he had come up with so quickly. And it was like, man. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the times they're not, they're definitely not as emotionally attached to it as the director is, you know? So mm-hmm. like they can, they're, they're happy ripping it all apart and putting it back together because <laughs> there's no other right. option. You know, you have to. Yeah. Producers and ADs are the, the two biggest people on a set that kind of set how everyone works together like is everyone going to be contentious and yelling at each other or is everyone going to play it nicely is it going to be stressful like i think those two people like really set the standard for like how everyone's going to interact so i think producers are super important yeah beyond what they just do in the day-to-day just personality wise they're also really important yeah i think that pretty much goes for anyone at the top you know so directors too like it's like if the top people are nervous and and uncomfortable and cranky then it's going to filter down to the rest of the crew so yeah the producer and the director and the the ad like if if those three are in sync you know, the, and and they're all like, you know, got good energy and good and, and they're ready to do their job well. I feel like the, the shoot will go so, so well. But if like one of those three people are not in a good space, then you're, you're you could be completely fucked like just right there. <laughs> yeah. So I would say if we, when you're choosing a producer, choose someone you really like talking to and working with. 
because it's going to be a constant flow of information and exchanging of ideas and you want to feel comfortable with that person. And if they rub you the wrong way, it's not going to be a good project. One thing I want to talk about is uh, the the number of producers on a project and what all the producers do because... When you look at like a feature film credits and like it comes up and there's like, there's like 15 producers and like five executive producers and then, yeah, you have like your unit production manager and... yeah. Yeah, you know, there's just tons of producers. Like, who? So, what were you going to say about that? I was just going to say, like, usually, like, because you'll see, like, you know, it will be like five or six producers or whatever. But then, like, the next credit line will be like produced by or producer. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, you know, probably one to three names there. And I kind of feel like all those producers that you saw before probably didn't really do much producing. They just got the credit for some reason, you know? Maybe they got this location or maybe they provided this or that or whatever, but they're usually those are like more vanity credits in my mind. And then out of the, the produced by credit, those three producers, they could have each equally had a hand in the project, but usually it's like there's the one who's like the more creative producer, and then there's like probably one who's the more logistical producer and then in my experience, there's like the third person who's kind of like the catch all who kind of like fills in here and there, you know, um, that's interesting. That's, I mean, that's a really good point is there are so many producers credited on a movie and we're talking about just kind of like working with one producer, you know, at the level we're at, we're working with one producer, but I think once there's money involved, it changes. I know a, a, a director I worked with before who had done a $4 million movie told me there was 29 producers on his film. But how many did he actually work with? (laughs) He produced it himself. Wow. Insane. So, and he didn't, he didn't get credited. So I think what happened was, um, the, all the 29 producers that were credited were people that put money into the film and they wanted the producer credit because a producer gets paid based off of like deals that are made for distribution that's the other reason why you have like all these different you people taking this producer credit is because the money gets doled out differently if you're a producer on the project than if you're an executive producer or investor however it works you know i think it can work a lot of different ways so it's like you know i mean i think there's definitely a situation where the three producers credited in a movie like they all were equals and they all did the same different versions of the same job you know like they all were Mm -hmm. there on set and working together and you know then they would split up and they would all handle different logistical responsibilities but they would all like have equal say i mean i think that's definitely possible but like in my experience it usually seems like it's like one person who's that creative person or two people who's that, who are those creative people. And then the other producer are just doing logistical things Mm -hmm. only. Yeah. I had that on spirit machine. My friend Jake was kind of like the, my main producer that I talked to every day, but he was more of like, he oversaw the production and was my creative guy. Mm -hmm. And then he had like another producer he was working with that did all like kind of the logistical stuff and like hired the crew and paid everyone mm-hmm. um, and made sure like every like locations were secure. And I think then they had like one other producer who you're probably right. Just kind of like made sure nothing fell through the cracks. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had a, lo- a lot of producers on the spirit machine and it was good. It was like, a good setup, but in terms of my experience and like how it felt, I felt like mostly I was working with my friend Jake and he had my, my, he had my back 
it's amazing like the army of people it takes behind the scenes to oh, like yeah. put something together and make it run smoothly yeah and just the different relationships of producers and how it all comes together i, I think producing is extremely challenging and and like when i see it done well it's just like my hat's off to you guys and and oh and, yeah you know, just it's pretty it's crazy. amazing so that i think one thing I want to walk away from in this episode is just to say like how amazing producers are and like, yeah, I don't, we, we couldn't do it without a good producer. And I, and I know in some ways I'm a producer, but in so many ways I don't feel like I am a producer because when I see a good producer, I'm just like, Oh man, I don't live up to that at all. Yeah. I want to ask you a question, Timothy. Like, are you, uh-huh. like, do you have to be a, uh, have a hand in the production of all your projects or would you be totally fine? Like just only directing and just letting someone else produce uh, your next, your film. Um, I'm trying to think if I've like ever had anybody kind of like do the full production without me having a hand in it. I mean, at this point it's like a necessary evil because there's just not enough there. Usually there's no money and person I'm working with like for instance you and I worked on over my dead body and you were the producer and I think you did most of the work but there's probably a few th- areas where I jumped in and helped out just because you're one guy and you don't right. you have a limited amount of time and I wasn't paying you right it wasn't like it was my full time job yeah if I had paid you and that was your whole thing and you had like a crew of people I would have totally just let you do the whole thing like there's no reason for me to do it unless I have to do it yeah, I totally feel comfortable. I think I need to know, as a director, I need to know what's going on. I can't be like left in the dark. But I don't think producers ever leave directors in the dark. Not usually. Not yeah. usually. I mean, there might be instances. But yeah, like I like to know like who I'm working with. I like to see their reels. I like to um, see things early before we get to set. Like I want to... I'm I'm constantly providing reference for all the department heads so they know what I'm looking for. And then usually just showing them that I know what I want, they'll come back to me with stuff to approve and say, oh, cool. I saw your reference. Here's some stuff that I'm thinking of. And I'll be like, awesome. That's great. That's great. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see any disadvantage to like not being involved in like the, the production aspect of it. Because usually a director is involved as much as they need to be to make sure that it's coming together in the way that they imagined. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like if I get a good producer, a good team of producers on board and they're just sending things to me to be approved, like, hell yeah, let's do it that way. That sounds great, you know? But uh, <laughs> yeah. But like I, I don't think I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be in that situation where I don't have to just do some of the work just because you know, of lack of budget, lack of time, you know, lack of, of crew, you know? So I kind of, I'm like ready to, to jump in and produce on anything I do, but, uh, you know, I, I would gladly not, not do that if I didn't have to, you know, but I've talked to other filmmakers, um, and directors who it's like, it's very important to them to, to be one of the producers and to have a hand in production, Oh, really? you know, but I, I just feel like after my experience now, I'm like, you know what, like I could, and, and I will, but I don't have to, you know, like it. Oh, it's so much, especially the bigger the project gets like oh, yeah. Spirit Michigan was 30 pages and I needed every ounce of time I could have and not having to think about production stuff and just be working on storyboards and breaking down the script and just really smartly thinking about stuff was huge. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't matter so much on like a 15 second commercial because it's so quick and 
uh, there's only so many ways I can break down that script. But when it's like pages and pages, like 120 pages, can you imagine how much prep work needs to go in there as a director to be prepared for how many days of shooting? Like at minimum, you're shooting for 15 days. Yeah. At minimum. Yeah. More likely like between 30 and 50. Yeah. Well, 120 pages. A lot of work. Like 30 at least. Right. You know, but yeah. uh, And that's a lot of shooting and a lot of prep. So you don't want to be thinking about all the logistics of how it's all going to come together. I mean, ideally you just, you wake up in the morning and you, or you see the call sheet the day before and you see what you're shooting the next day and you like pull out those pages and you look at them and refresh your memory about all the stuff you prep for and then you show up to the shoot the next day and ready to go. Yeah. And not have to think about all the other stuff. Yeah, I, I look at behind the scenes of uh, big movies like, you know, the Fast and Furious movies or Batman Begins or, you know, some big budget action movie like that. And the amount of the work that has to be done to make sure that everything is, is going to happen right and the amount of time and energy the director puts into that is, is insane. Yeah, I mean, they're very different frames of mind, producing and directing. It's yeah. really hard to overlap the two. And the, the least amount of overlap there can be, I think, is just the benefit to the director. Yeah, I hope as my career goes forward that I can just spend more and more time focused on just being the director and not having to worry about everything else and I can just come and do that job extremely well and just make sure that I'm telling the story in the best way possible, you know, but we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll be doing producing and directing all my own movies for the rest of my career. Who knows? (laughs) But does, do the producers have a guild? Yeah. Is there a producer's guild? The the PGA, the producer's guild. What's the, what are the rules about like how much, like if you're in the DGA, what are the rules about how much you can even have a hand in production? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Because maybe if you join the DGA, you just won't, you won't even have the option anymore. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that if you're in the DGA that you can still be a producer too. But, uh, you know, because I know that, I mean, there's got to be directors who are in the DGA who also are producers on their own projects. But, but yeah, I don't know the rules at all. Do you? <laughs> No, I don't know the rules. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I will be so lucky to be in the DGA that I know the rules, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's stop talking about directing. And is there any final thoughts on producing? We, are we done? Think we covered it? No, I, I just I want I want to know where all the best producers are in the world, and I want to uh, talk to all of them because let's, uh, let's work together. If you're a producer and you're listening to the show and you want to work with us, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to meet you. Please. We'd love to meet you. Send us emails, you know. Uh, let us know how how to get in touch with you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, please. We have two two new uh, reviews on iTunes. What? 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 When did yeah. this happen? Oh my god! Well, one of them we totally missed last week, and I was sad after we recorded our episode, and then I looked. Um, Mad writer wrote great podcast from indie filmmakers you guys have a lot of great information thanks for sharing your experiences amazing five stars five stars five stars wow <laughs> i'm humbled. another five star review love the honesty from colonel spawns being a successful director is super tough listening to this podcast is like a much needed weekly therapy session oh man this is sweet amazing yeah feeling dude. good dude i'd love I- to get this this feedback 
I know. I, I haven't checked our iTunes in a while because I was checking it like every other week and just not seeing any new reviews. And I was like, ah, well, I can't, I can't be doing this to myself anymore. And <laughs> now we got two new ones. Sweet. Two new ones. Thanks, guys, for uh, posting a review. We really appreciate it. It yeah. makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that this show is resonating with other people and hopefully it'll continue to do so. Yeah, we want to make sure that, you know, People are uh, communicating with us and that we're hearing feedback and that we're talking about the things that people want to hear about. So, yeah, keep on sending us more questions and thoughts and topic suggestions because we could always use those. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next two episodes and I think that people are really going to like them. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about story and story structure, oh, man. which is going to be, I think, pretty epic. And then the week after that, marketing uh, your film and how to get people to see it, which should I think is a topic that everybody is going to want to hear. So stay yeah. tuned, guys. Good stuff coming. And we're quickly approaching episode 20, which we're going to have to figure out something fun to do. Yeah, I don't know what it'll be, but it'll be something interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, let's do something different. Like we did the listener episode of episode 10. Let's do something different for episode 20. Well, I don't know. Is it time for a guest or do we want to wait till episode 30 for that? Or I don't mm, know. We that's should... what I was kind of thinking. Maybe oh. we should have a guest. Ooh, a guest. I That'll be fun. Know. Someone to so disagree anyways. with us more. That'll be great. <laughs> I would love to have somebody just come on and just tell us how wrong we are about everything. Yeah, you guys that would be amazing. Morons. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have Debbie Brubaker on because I'm pretty sure that she would probably tell us we're morons. Uh, I wonder what Debbie Brubaker would say about this podcast. She'd be like, "You guys I... are a couple <laughs> of like fools spinning your wheels. Go out and direct probably. a movie." <laughs> I would love because I sat down with her for lunch like last week. Oh yeah, and I did a few kind of podcast like. Hey, this is this is how I had approach things, and she's just like, "That's not the way you do it." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Like, oh man, Shot I don't know anything. Down. Awesome. So I would love to have somebody like with her expertise on it, and then talk about something where she could just tell us how stupid we are. Yeah, that'd be great. I wonder. I wonder if she'd have <laughs> any interest. Maybe she would. Who knows? Uh, all right, we're gonna take us out. Do it. Thanks everyone for listening. Help other people find us. Um, You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. The more reviews we have up there, the easier it is for people to find the show. So that's helpful. And as you can tell, we just like hearing from you. You can follow us on Twitter at MMIH podcast or myself at Timothy Plain and Ulrich is at Ulrich B. We also have a Facebook page. I want to plug something. I was interviewed by a podcast called Dharmic Evolution a few months ago and it it just got released this last week and I was impressed I think he did a pretty good job of just capturing a lot of things that were going on in my life and how I kind of got to the place that I was so if you want kind of a different perspective on who I am as a person and filmmaker I think that's a pretty good interview so check that out how about you Ulrich you have anything to plug no, nothing to plug. I just hope that you guys talked about your story of uh, rising up the chain and good be because that is an amazing story. No, we didn't. Ooh, you get you to tell that story on that. this podcast one day. <laughs> I think people will find a lot of inspiration in it. I got to save some material for you know other things. So yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be the 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 big movie you make when you're like you know sixty five. 
It's like the the life story of how you uh, of somebody <laughs> My, who climbed the to the top. Yeah, well, not a biopic. Oh, wait a second. But... Has anyone ever made an auto biopic? Oh God, I don't know. I, I guess Howard Stern kind of. Kind of. Yeah. That Damn was, it. I, 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 mean, I could have been the first. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, stay tuned to next time. Right. Yeah, have a good week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Adios. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.